Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Well, y'all failed the test. She said, uh, you're all children of God, and then dismissed the children, and here you all are. <laughs> failed the test. Mary Ellen does not want you all in her class. That's right. Well, guys, uh, we are beginning a new sermon series that I'm really excited about. Uh, it's called No Longer Slaves. And <laughs> we're doing a sermon series through Deuteronomy. Where's the groans? That sounds awful, right? <laughs> but Deuteronomy is a, um, it's a contract. It's a treaty that God has with Israel. And God gave this treaty to Israel so that they would know how to live. Because they were living as slaves, and they're about to no longer become slaves. And that calls for a different way of life, amen? So we're going to take uh, the we're going to begin today in Exodus chapter 13 and talk about being no longer slaves. But we're going to the series will take us on Israel's journey in Deuteronomy from slaves to free people under God's sovereign rule. Let's begin in a word of prayer and then we'll take a look at Exodus 13. Father God, we are uh, grateful to be here in your house, grateful that we can gather and sing these songs of praise and adoration that we can sing to one another we are children of God. The grace that you have given us, that you might adopt us as children, is unfathomable. The love that you just pour out into our lives. And Father, as we gather and study your word, we pray that your spirit will just move and guide and lead us this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever considered how important tradition is in our culture, in American culture. I mean, take, for example, July 4th. We shoot off fireworks. We take the day off. But most importantly, we celebrate the three greatest letters in the alphabet, USA, right? And your kids... They may ask you, well, why do we have the day off? Your kids may ask you, why are you shooting off fireworks in your backyard? And we tell them, right? We tell them about the Declaration of Independence. We tell them about the uh, freedom we have from the tyranny of England, right? Every Christmas, we put up a Christmas tree. We pass out presents. Everybody comes to our Christmas Eve service here at Cornerstone Christian Church, and we listen to the message of Christmas, right? It's a tradition. It's a story of the birth of Jesus Christ, right? In about a month, we're going to celebrate Patriot Day. If your kids were to ask, why are we celebrating this 9-11, many of us will remember sitting in front of our TVs, Watching as the Twin Towers fall. Traditions cause us to ask questions 
and give us as parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents opportunities to teach about why we celebrate tradition. Why do we have the day off? What's so special about this day? Why is it worth remembering? Henry Glassie, an American historian, once said, the history is not the past, but it is a map of the past, drawn from a particular point of view to be useful to the modern traveler. How important is it that we use our historic map to chart out our lives as modern travelers in this world? How often do you use tradition and historic events to teach and train your children? I guarantee that many of us would be upset and would cry out if the if American culture stopped teaching American history in the classrooms. How often do you think about why we celebrate special days and events in American history? American author Robert Henlein once wrote, a generation which ignores history has no past and has no future. Leave that up there for a minute. You should know that the soil that's along the Nile River is much like our Tennessee clay. And therefore, Egyptians during the life of Moses used this mud to make mud bricks. These bricks were used to build homes. Mud bricks could be whitewashed. That way it would protect against the sun But because they're mud, it also keeps them cool at night. The pharaoh of Egypt had all of these Israelites who were living in his country. And they were a blessed people. You can go back to Genesis chapter 12 and learn about how blessed they were. They were strong, they were good people, and they were growing. Their numbers were growing. In fear and jealousy, Pharaoh enslaved the Israelites and forced them to make mud bricks. They would take the mud that they could draw from around the Nile River, and then they would be given straw, thinly chafed, so that it would mix in with the mud and cause a binder. And they would take this mixture of straw and mud and they would stomp it out until it got mixed together perfectly, put them in forms, and they had to make up to 2,000 bricks a day. They had a quota to meet. And because they were blessed people and because their numbers were growing, they did really well at this job. So well that Pharaoh got jealous again, and he made it harder. Instead of providing the straw for them, they would have to go out to the fields, sometimes even their own fields, gather the straw, 
tread it so that it could produce the chaff that is necessary for the, to make this binder. But Pharaoh kept the same quota, and they worked longer and harder than they'd ever lived. When this did not break the Israelites, Pharaoh corrupted the midwives, the health care system of Egypt. And every Israelite newborn, newborn baby boy was murdered. When Scripture says that the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, I want you to think about what they meant. It was a life that no one deserved. It was full of hatred. It was full of pain. And Scripture tells us they cried out to God. For help. I read this week as an author explained the irrationality of his three-year-old son. It was a sunny and cool day, a perfect day to trim the hedges. Yes, Lord. Darren, I believe your tablet fell. I read this week about an author who explained the irrationality of his three-year-old son. We'll start that story over. It was a sunny and cool day, a perfect day to trim hedges. But he also had this three-year-old son to keep an eye on. And so slowly and carefully, the man explained to this three-year-old, you may play right here on our back porch. And then they stepped out into the yard and said, you may play in this giant backyard. And they were right up next door to their neighbors. And they knew the neighbors and said, right over here, you may play in the neighbor's yard. You could play with the dog out here. You could play with your toys. And in fact, you know what? You could even go inside and watch TV. However, you cannot play in the street. The street is a dangerous place where you can get hurt. He asked his son, do you understand? And the son said, yes, daddy. And guess what the three-year-old immediately did? He went into the street. <laughs> we don't listen super well, do we, as human beings? And the Israelites were very similar to this kind of stubborn living. And it's because of that stubbornness, and it's with that temperament, that we consider these Israelites. With displayed power and might, God rained down this awful plague on the people of Egypt. And Moses demanded to Pharaoh to let my people go. And plague after plague, Pharaoh hardened his heart until the plague of the firstborn, Passover, if you remember. Pharaoh finally released the Israelites from bondage, and every firstborn male in Egypt died in the middle of the night. But every Israelite who spread the blood of the lamb over their doorposts was saved, and they were freed that day when hardened, the hardened heart was finally softened, and Pharaoh released them. And they made it all the way to the Red Sea, but Pharaoh changed his mind. The Egyptians changed their mind. 
And they came after the Israelites at full force with their army. And the Israelites watched as the Red Sea parted. And they walked across the dry land. And they watched as that water collapsed on Pharaoh and his army. And they all died. They were thirsty. And Moses tapped on a rock and water poured. They were hungry, and manna miraculously fell from heaven in the morning. But if you know the Israelites, you'll know that they are as stubborn as a three-year-old boy. Moses went up on the mountain for too long, and they begged to go back to Egypt. They thought they were going to die of thirst. And they begged Moses to go back to Egypt. They didn't know how they were going to eat. And they begged Moses to go back to Egypt. They got tired of eating manna every day and wanted some meat. And they wanted to go back to Egypt. 14, 15 16 hours a day making mud bricks with no pay and no hope, pain. Not allowed to have a baby boy. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and I want to go back to Egypt. And that's why I believe in Exodus chapter 13, God spoke tradition into the life of the Israelites. And then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, commemorate it, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand, eat nothing containing Yeast, and he goes on. And look at verse 13 or 14. In the days to come, when your son asks, What does this mean? I want you to say to him these words, he said, With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This section in Exodus chapter 13 comes from a pretty important rule that God lays down for the Israelites. It's the consecration of the firstborn son. They were to set their son apart and the firstborn of their livestock for religious reasons. Their sons, their firstborn sons, would become priests and their livestock's given as a sacrifice to the, to the uh, temple of that day, to their version of the temple. Quite honestly, it didn't make logical or financial sense. Here they are in the middle of nowhere, and their firstborn sons are given up. These guys should be leading their siblings. They should be helping with chores. There's no guarantee that you're even going to have another baby. They are valuable. What if the manna stops? What if the water stops flowing? 
And I'm sure the kids had all kinds of questions. Why do I have to go into service? What happened to our brother? Why is he set apart for religious reasons? And the answer was clear. You see, children, when I was a kid, and I was four years old, I was stomping out bricks. At five years old, I was working 16-hour days. And with a mighty hand, God brought us up out of slavery. After a while, there became a different way to commemorate the consecration of the firstborn. It didn't take very long after this when Aaron's descendants became priests of the religious uh, order. The Jews today call it Pidion Haben. And on the last day of the first month of the birth of their firstborn son, Jewish fathers were to redeem their son with silver coins as a reminder that the Israelites were redeemed by God from slavery. So instead of giving up their firstborn son to religious uh, purposes, they allowed the descendants of Aaron to be those priests, and they would buy back their children, and that money went to the temple to take care of those who dedicated their lives to God. This tradition, the history of Israel, is incredibly important in Jewish culture. You see, the Jews used this historic map to navigate their paths of today. There was an older man who recounted a time when he was a teenager. He was trying to make some money doing some yard work on a hot summer day. He said, I was approached by a man who asked me if I could help him with something, and it turned out he was a Jewish man who was attached to the synagogue. To make a long story short, the man told me it was a Jewish holiday and he was not allowed to work. And so he paid me to go and turn lights on in the building because turning lights on in a building was like building a fire and he wasn't allowed to work. And so the man walked me around this synagogue and had me turn on lights by flipping a switch. And after all this work, I got a cold soda pop out of it. You know, we might scoff at this kind of legalism. In fact, Paul would call it bondage to the law of Moses. And many of us Gentiles tend to be a little bit legalistic as well. Many of us are enslaved by our own lives to the rules and regulations we've created as Christians. You must look a certain way. You must act a certain way. You must do this and do that. But Jesus Christ has freed us. In Romans chapter 7, it says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that you may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so they bore, neither bore fruit 
they bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to once, once bound us, we've been released from the law so that we may live the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So when we're talking about slavery and we look at the story of Israel and how they consecrated their firstborn as a reminder that with the mighty hand of God, he freed them from slavery. I wish we had a way to commemorate something like that. And if you've grown up in the church, I hope you know exactly where I'm going. It's not fireworks. It's not a day off necessarily. It's communion. It's Jesus Christ asking the church to remember and to never forget that we once were bound as slaves to sin and the law, but the mighty hand of God came in the presence of Jesus Christ. And with that bread, we remember a body that was broken. And with that juice, we remember the blood that was shed. For what purpose? But to free us from a life of slavery. We are no longer slaves. And throughout this series, I believe we're going to be looking at ways that we as Christians try to go back to the life of Egypt. And God wants so much more for your life. He wants you to live a life of freedom. Through this series, I hope we can see some of those practical ways. But for now, as we go to one of these three communion stations, we'll be singing this song, Jesus Messiah, as a reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus. As we sing, go to one of the three stations, take the cup back to your seat, and then we will take it all together in unison, declaring that he has freed us from slavery. We are no longer slaves, friends. Let's pray together. Father, I am just incredibly grateful that we have this time that's set apart. I pray, Lord, that just as the Israelites were to consecrate their children, that we take this bread and juice as a way of remembering that with your mighty hand, your son Jesus Christ, you've brought freedom. We're thankful, Lord, we praise and honor you, Lord, asking that that freedom transforms our hearts, that that freedom transforms our minds, that we might walk in new life 
a freedom that you've allowed. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.